Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, as we come to a time when we open your word and depend on the Holy Spirit to teach, to give us insight, comfort, and courage, and direction, we're so thankful for your word and the power of it and how alive it is. And how nobody, no matter how many times we've read it, that it still pierces our very souls. I pray that you would use this word today to touch all of us, to encourage all of us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago now, about three years ago, my father, my father, uh, after breakfast, went into his living room and he felt cold and he grabbed a quilt and he wrapped himself in a quilt and set in his lazy boy and, and he passed away. I thought of my dad this week because he's a good guy. He was a moral man, good provider, um, but he was a that's it kind of guy. If you crossed him, that's it. He wasn't a forgiver. It made him in his later days to be kind of a brooding, hard, rigid guy, a that's it kind of guy. I thought of him this week because I'm... In the book of Exodus, in the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we see a God that, especially in the Old Testament, once in a while was a that's it kind of God. The people would push him a little too far, push him a little too far, and then in righteous anger, unlike my dad sometimes, in righteous anger, he would say, that's it. That's where we are today in the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. We're going to start, just to get a little context, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 1 in a second. What's happened is, and you know this great story, God has called Moses to go into Egypt and bring his people out of Egyptian bondage. And that's happened. Taking him, they, he's taken the people to a mountain called Sinai, and Moses has gone up to get the law. He's gone up to get all the rules and regulations, and he stayed a little too long for the group down, down at the bottom. And so they come up with this calf, and you know the story. Uh, and they go back to worshiping the way they worshiped back in Egypt, this idolatry. And God got, we'd say, ticked off at that sent Moses down, Moses throws the tablets, breaks them, grinds up the calf, makes them, mix it with water, makes the people drink it, and a number of people are actually killed that day. That's where we are today, that's what's happened. Listen, look at verse, 30, or verse 1 of chapter 33 of Exodus. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about part of that covenant, saying to your descendants, I'll give it. 
God says, Moses, go on up. He says, your people, by the way. He says, these are your people. Go on up. I'm going to give you the land like I promised. But he makes a threat that's new. Part of the plan has changed. Look what he says there. Um, to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. And I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just like I promised. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's very fertile. And then he says, new information for Moses, for I, I'm not going. I will not go up in your midst. Look what he says. Look what he says, sorry. Look what he says. Because you are an obstinate people. You're an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. God is upset. He's, that's it at that point. Let's move to verse 12. Moses is going to have a conversation with God about this. Now, you've got to think about intimacy with God here. Moses has a relationship with God that nobody ever had with God. Um, even when Joshua takes over for Moses, God puts an intercessory kind of guy between Joshua and God. Because God's not going to talk to Mo Joshua face to face, but for some reason he talked to Moses face to face. And Moses never explains what that looks like. I wish he did. I'm going to ask him someday, what that look like? Face to face with God. Somehow his, his human eyes were able to see something. Now we're going to find out he doesn't see all, but he sees something that nobody else got to see. Moses would take a tent. He pitched a tent outside the camp called the Tent of Meeting, where he and God met. Think about that. What, pitching a tent outside your house where you and God meet and talk. This is, this is Moses. Pitches the tent. It's not the tabernacle. It's not that traveling worship center. This is just the Tent of Meeting. Uh, and he meets with God there. He has a special status with God. There's an intimacy with God that Moses has that nobody else does. And again, what frustrates me when studying this is he never really describes it well enough. I don't see what it looks like, what it felt like. But anyway, they're, they're meeting in this tent. That's where this conversation takes place. Moses is going to have three requests from God. He's just heard that the plans have been changed. Oh, they're going up. And the, all the Hittites and all those ites are going to be driven out, just like God said. They're going to have this fertile land forever and ever, just like God said. But God's not going. His presence is not going to be with him. He's upset. The people are upset. So Moses makes three requests. His first one is in verse 12. This is the New American Standard. His first request, then Moses said to the Lord, See, so you say to me, Bring up this people, that is, lead this people. You chose me to do this. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Basically, he's saying, I want to know your intentions for these people. What's your plan? You're not telling me this. I need to know this information. You've, you've charged me to be the leader, to put up with these people, but you're not telling me your intentions. And then Moses says, you've said that you know me by name. You've said that we have this really close relationship, 
literally means that Moses belongs to God. You've said that, God. And you've also said that I have found favor in your sight. You said that. Now, how do you find favor in God's sight? Obedience, basically. Moses has been obedient to God. Moses says we have this really special relationship. Verse 13, now therefore I pray you that if I've found favor in your sight, if that's true, let me know your ways. Let me know your ways that I may know you. Look at his, his, his uh, purpose for this. So that I may find favor in your sight. He says, I found favor in your sight, but I want to do more of that. I want to be even more favorable to you. To be able to do that, I need to know what you're doing. And then there's a wonderful uh, intercessory there in, uh, at the end of that passage. Consider too, he says, this nation is your people. It's almost like Moses is saying, don't give them to me. They're your people. Don't say they're your pe my people. These are your people. And darned if God doesn't reverse this threat. Look at verse 14. He, that's God now, in the tent of meeting, my presence shall go with you, and I'll give you rest. He reverses his threat. So God's going now. Now the second request is in verse 15, and, and basically Moses, it's, it's too good to be true, so he's going to ask for confirmation. Listen to what he says this time. Then he said to him, verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. He's saying, why is there any further need of travel if you're not going to go with us? And then it's interesting why he's upset. Look at verse 16. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, that I have special status in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished for all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? What's Moses saying? It seems a little haughty, a little arrogant, but what he's saying is, what makes me special, Moses says, what makes us a called out people distinguished from the world is simply your presence. If you're not with us, we got nothing. We're not anybody. That's what he's saying. Totally dependent upon God and his presence. Beautiful picture there of his commitment to God. He says what distinguishes us, makes us special, is the fact that you're with us. If, we're not, if you're not with us, there's no need to travel. There's no need to travel. We'll just stay here. And look at the assurance he gets in verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you've spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. We do have this really special, intimate relationship. So that's Moses' two requests. Here's his third one. He asked for a favor. Now think about this guy again. Think about this Moses. He never explains it. He never describes it. But somehow, he, of all people, can sit in a place and have an intimate relationship face-to-face -face with God. Nobody else. God. He never says what it looks like, what it feels like. You know, we hear about the, the fire at night and the cloud by day and all that, but he's seeing something that nobody else sees. 
And it's interesting that Moses' next request is, Lord, this is all great, but I want more of that. I want to see more of you. I want to understand more of you. I want you to take me to another level of intimacy. Listen to how he puts it. Verse 18, Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And God immediately goes into what we would call cautionary measures. Because God knows, and he'll tell Moses in just a bit, um, if you saw everything you're asking for, you couldn't survive it. You couldn't contain it. You couldn't survive it. It would kill you. So God, in protection of Moses, this guy that he has this really intimate relationship with, goes into cautionary measure mode. Look at what he says. He says, verse 19, he's going to give him some of what he's asking for. He said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. He's going to allow Moses to understand and see a different measure of God's goodness. And Moses, again, never explains what that looked like. But God said, you're going to see my goodness in a deeper understanding. And then he says, um, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. That is, he's going to reveal his character in a deeper way before you. I'm going to show you my character even deeper than you have. And I'm going to show you my goodness on a deeper level. Then he says something that Paul will quote in Romans, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But, he said to Moses, you can't see my face. I can't show you what you're asking for. This deeper level. He says, for no man can see me and live. He's protecting Moses. And he gets very practical about it. Our God can be really practical at times. Look at verse 21. Then the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and here's what I'm going to do. You shall stand there on the rock, and it'll come about while my glory is passing by. What you wanted to see is passing by. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll cover you and a metaphor here with my hand. God doesn't have a handy spirit, but I'll cover you with my hand, a picture of protection, until that part has passed by, till I've passed by. Because if you see that, and I often wonder, wasn't he tempted to peek? <laughs> if you see that, you're going to die. And then God says in verse 23, then when I take my hand away, you're going to see a part of what you're asking for. You're going to see my back. The word means lower back. I'll take my hand away and you shall see my back. But my face, what you're asking for, he says, shall not be seen. Interesting passage of scripture. Look at the intimacy there. Back and forth and back and forth. And the protection, the, the love of God for Moses. He didn't... Uh, he didn't, uh, you know, put him down because he was asking for too much. Oh, that's too arrogant. You shouldn't have asked for that. No, he said, I'll, I can't give you what you're asking for, but I'll give you a little more. Take it a little deeper than what you, where you are today. Beautiful picture there. Wow, what intimacy. It teaches us, that passage as we do apply it, it does teach us about intimacy with God. I don't know about you, but I want to be in, more intimate with God. 
He's way too distant for me, even after all these years. There are parts that I think, oh, some days it's like serving a distant king. You think, well, I know he's there by faith. Uh, I haven't heard from him for a while. Um, and I want that deeper intimacy, and I think you do too. I was talking to the Palmar Church just a minute ago, and you know, they're in transition mode. And I was telling them, you guys need to know, you need to have that intimacy with God. That's the, that's the major thing you need to get right now before you look for anybody or anything. You need to have that intimacy with God. That's what we're after. I think this passage teaches us three things about intimacy with God, if we want it. First of all, intimacy with God involves obedience. Moses said, I found favor with you. You find favor with God by simply being obedient to what he calls you to do. Now, he may never call you to lead millions of people out of Egypt. He may never call you to do that. If he does, let us know, because that'd be a great testimony. You know, God has called me to do that. That was a joke. I had no laughter whatsoever. Uh, it didn't work in Palmyra either, so it doesn't. Uh, I will scratch that off. So anyway. um, But he's going to call all of us to something in our walk. We've talked about this before in days past. You know, you might not ever be up front. You might not be preaching and teaching. You might not be a missionary. But we're all called to reflect Christ in our businesses, in our families, in our schools. Make a big deal about Christ somehow. We're all called to do that. And he'll kind of put you in the niche where you kind of fit, boom, or in a place where you fit with certain people. Hasn't he brought people into our lives that, boy, we look back and we say, boy, if God hadn't brought that person or that couple into my life, where would I be today? That's how he works. And he does that for us. So first of all, intimacy with God involves obedience, just simple obedience. We may never understand what he's doing. A lot of times we don't, especially his timing. But simple obedience. If you want to be intimate with God, you've got to be obedient. Secondly, there has to be intimacy with God involves a dependence upon God. You have to be dependent upon God. Moses said, without you, I'm nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we don't believe that. We think, well, I can do this and this and this and this and this. And Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. There has to be a dependence upon God, a realization that no matter what our talents and gifts are, without his guidance, without his leadership, without his direction, we can't accomplish what he wants us to accomplish in our lives. We just can't. So there has to be a dependence upon him for that intimacy. I need that intimacy, not only because it will make me feel loved, by God, but it will enable me to be the man that I want, he wants me to be, just like you guys, okay? So obedience, dependence, and this last one, intimacy with God involves desire. Desire. Look at Moses, what he had, such a higher level than everybody, and yet he wanted more, more of God, more understanding, more relationship. Uh, there's, a, there's an old... Uh, saying, and I never get this right, but uh, we want to be following our rabbi so closely that the dust of our rabbi's feet falls on us. It's a good picture of following Christ. You want that intimacy. You want to know him. So the question from the passage today is, how's your intimacy today with God? Are you being obedient? 
Are you knowing that you're dependent upon him? Where are you today? Do you have a desire for it? Are you caught up in other stuff and you're not thinking about that? What's your desire? I think we all desire a deeper walk. It doesn't have to be deep, 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 but it has, we all desire to be a little closer to God today. I want to challenge you this week, as I challenge the other group in Palmar, I want to challenge you to take some time this week, it won't take but a minute, to simply ask God, and he knows where you are, and you know where you are in your intimacy with God. You know. Everybody's different place. We always are. Take time to go to God this week and say, Lord, I just want more. I just want more of an intimacy with you. I want to know you more. I want our, my level of understanding of who you are to go up a level. I challenge you to do that this week and see what he does. See what he does with our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for your love for us. And we know that we're not going to be a Moses. We know that he was an exception. And yet we long for a deeper, a deeper walk, deeper understanding. We know it'll take time out of our schedule. It'll take obedience, take a deep desire. But Lord, we pray for that in our lives. We want to know you more. Not just more scripture, but we want to know you more. Know who you are. Who you are in our lives. Not in the preacher's life, but in our lives. Just regular old folks doing our stuff during the week. Where are you there? Where do you work? How do you work there? We pray for that, Lord. We hope that pleases you to be longed for and thirsted for today. We love what you've done to our lives. We thank you that at one point you stepped into our lives with that great and holy interruption and grabbed us and held us as your own. We thank you for that. And as we go out from this church today, we pray that you would just reveal yourself to us time and time again. Because apart from you, we can't do it. We can't live the Christian life. We can't be the, the husbands and the wives and the moms and the dads that you call us to be. Apart from you, we can't do it. And so we pray for that presence. We thank you that we have the promise of that. Jesus said, I'll be with you always. Even when the week gets tough, I'll be with you always. We pray for that today. We pray that in the name of our Christ today. And all God's people said,